let's um, sit to, to both ground and open that space into which everyone can arrive, uh, which we can hold and, and deepen with each other.
Thank you for your steady sitting together. We'll chant the verse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. good to see everyone continuing. Thank you for uh, arriving and for offering your, your presence and your sitting and your attention to our shared uh, practice in this way. <clears throat> Today is an auspicious day in some ways. Um, and so I hope that you will um, allow, um, hopefully not an indulgence, but allow me to reflect on it um, from, from my perspective as a way to encourage yours around some of these, these issues uh, to help us um, feel our way into our practice at this time. One year ago today, exactly one year ago today, I just landed from what I didn't realize would be my final long-haul airline flight for over a year. And I began quarantine um, here in my own home in Hawaii. Having uh, the morning before driven along very dark and mostly empty New Mexico highways through the very early morning, traveling from Nambe, just north of Santa Fe, um, headed to the Albuquerque airport, rushing home in the face of this newly announced pandemic, almost holding my breath, uh, you know, hoping that I wouldn't get sick with this new thing that was spreading. Or worse still, my greatest nightmare would be to be the one who would bring it to our small island of Molokai. And as I was engaged in that, that trip, um, mostly the day Monday, yesterday, a year ago, I just completed my last in-person retreat with a wonderful group of people, uh, some of whom are on this, this today. And many of the original participants who had registered had decided not to come um, because of what we could see looming on the horizon, but and by the end of the week, the World Health Organization had um, indicated this was indeed a pandemic. And so I reluctantly made some changes. I abandoned my trip to Texas, which was to follow my New Mexico retreat. Uh, I was going to join my family to celebrate my father's 92nd birthday on this date, today, March 16th. And I'd also made a, a very quick decision to cancel a retreat that was going to follow my Texas trip, which was the first of what would quickly become a cascade of cancellations of retreats, that, that first one in Arkansas. These were my, um, my very first taste of so many unexpected reversals and disappointments to come. You know, every single person that I'm seeing here and who is listening has a, a list of their deep losses from 2020. And right next to it, 
a lot of us have a secret list of unexpected benefits from the unprecedented containment. But I thought it was important uh, to make note of all this today on the one-year anniversary of what has been a time of really uh, like seismic universal change globally. And also, I wanted to honor the fact that today would have been my father's 93rd birthday, and it's the first of his birthdays we've celebrated without him present. A very personal but equally powerful change for me and my mom and my sister. And I, I don't need to go into more details about the pandemic or my own you know, private story about all this. Um, I've offered a lot of reflections on these things over the past year, but I do want to speak a bit about the ways in which these shifts of both universal scale and the very personal changes weave together in our practice. Um, I, I would say it's, you know, how the mundane and the extraordinary flow into and as each other and the sort of dance of the relative and absolute as we sometimes speak about it in Buddhist teachings. How the transcendence of the big heavenly perspective that we can achieve and both the imminent embodied earthly existence meet right here in our hearts. As some of you know, uh, Jolene Free and Judy Myers, uh, both wonderful writers and poets themselves, and they'd organized and sponsored this New Mexico retreat. They always send me poetry before we meet. Uh, I think of them as like emissaries from their own readings, which they might feel um, would inspire or guide our practices in the retreat. And I want to share two of those pieces with you today. Um, I used them in the retreat and, and used them to teach, uh, and none of us knowing fully what was to come. You know, how could we have borne it if we knew that more than half a million of our own friends and neighbors, family members and loved ones would have died by this date in 2021? If you knew that on March 16th of 2020, that two and three quarter million people would have died worldwide in just one year. And how could I have known that my father, who was instantly locked down in a residential rehab center, my sister denied access when she arrived to make a visit and a delivery. How could we have known that he would have had only two more months to live? But the truth is we never really know. Each moment is complete. Each moment is full. It's precious and precise, unfolding, blossoming and then just fading away all at the same time with each breath. And this isn't some terrible mistake that can be corrected if we just do the right spiritual practice, by the way. If we just have the right therapist, a better relationship, a new job, or even a new government. It's not a mistake. This is how it goes. So we have a choice whether we turn toward each of these full, complete, impermanent, interdependent moments, meeting it all, meeting both the, the, the fullness and beauty of each moment and also the challenge of each moment and each relationship, or we can turn away and miss this one precious life and our shared lives and the unbound love that's flowing through it all right now at this time. These two poems that I want to share with you um, that Jolene and Judy had sent both hinge on kindness. Big, big kindness and small intimate kindness. Universal and necessary foundations for 
awakening within this life that we have, we have. And I want to remind you of something that is easy to forget. Please, please allow these two pieces of poetry to move through you as poetry does, as, as teachings really do, as the Dharma does. Please allow it to move through you in the way that poetry was, was meant to be, without struggling to understand them, to, to claim them as a thing you can own, or to diminish them by making them into some instrumental object for your personal use. It's kind of a tough statement, but allow them to be what they are instead of turning them into something that is centered around your own grasping. Allow them to open in you and for you and through you in the way that uh, Mary Oliver pointed to in her interview with Coleman Barks 20 years ago in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She said to Coleman, so many of us live most of our lives seeking the answer while somehow demeaning or bypassing those things that can't be answered and therefore denuding our life of the acceptance of mystery, the pleasure of mystery, the willingness to live with mystery. And she went on and she said, if I could, I'd say to people, don't forget the mystery, love the mystery, be glad of it. You don't want answers all the time. Here's the first poem. And, it, you know, I use poetry a lot, as you know, um, because it speaks in a different way, as we're all aware. Um, I think kind of cheekily, David White said it's a language against which we have no defense, which is a strong way to say it, but I kind of like that way. The first one is by a, a woman, Danusha Lamaris, who was born... <clears throat> in Cambridge, Massachusetts, to a Dutch father and a mother from Barbados. They lived in Lebanon for a while, and they came to California uh, when the Civil War broke out there. An immigrant, a dark-skinned woman. The title of this poem is Small Kindnesses. I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs to let you by. Or how strangers will say, bless you, when someone sneezes, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die, we're saying. And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly, we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it, to smile at them and for them to smile back, for the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder, and for the driver in the red pickup truck to let us pass. We have so little of each other now. We have so little of each other now. So far from tribe and fire, only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true, what if they're the true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together? When we say, here, have my seat. Go ahead, you first. I love your hat. Once more, I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs and let you by. Or how strangers say, bless you, when someone sneezes, uh, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die what they're saying. 
And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly, we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it, to smile at them and for them to smile back, for the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder and for the driver in the red pickup truck to let us by. We have so little of each other now, so far from tribe and fire. Only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true dwelling of the holy? What if they are the true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together when we say, here, take my seat. Go ahead, you first. I like your hat. And I've been thinking about how strangers will say bless you when someone sneezes. Isn't it interesting that this was a line, the leftover from the bubonic plague from another pandemic? It's a way of saying, don't die. Mostly we don't want to harm each other. And we have so little of each other right now. In each moment we connect is a tr the true dwelling of the holy. These, I love this line, the fleeting temples we make together. When we offer small kindnesses the small things. And then there are the big ones. Um, you know, yesterday the United States Senate voted to confirm dead Helen as President Joe Biden's interior secretary. Historic move. Made her the first Native American cabinet secretary. And this poem that I'm to read is by Joy Harjo, some of you probably know, the 23rd Poet Laureate at the U.S. And she draws on First Nations storytelling and their histories, but also issues around feminism and social justice. And many of her imagery inhabiting the landscape that I was leaving, but also, also uh, Alaska and Hawaii, interestingly. Here's her her poem, Eagle poem. You pray to open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound, but other circles of motion. Like Eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky and wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. <clears throat> we see you, see, our <clears throat> see ourselves and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathe in knowing we are made of all this and breathe knowing we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion like eagle rounding out the morning inside us. We pray that it will be done in beauty and beauty. <clears throat> to pray to open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know, except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound but other circles of motion, like eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky, and wind swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. We see you, see ourselves, and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. 
breathe in knowing we are made of all this and breathe we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion. Like eagle rounding out the morning inside us, we pray that it will be done in beauty. <clears throat> in beauty. Even when we just sit each time for a few moments together, we, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> we pray to open our whole self. One whole voice that is you. Knowing there's more we can't see and can't hear and can't know, except in these moments steadily growing in languages and feelings and visions and imaginations that are, aren't always sound, but are the great cycles and circles of motion of our lives. And we must take utmost care. It's apamata. We must take utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathing in, knowing we're made of all this, we understand we're one with everything. Breathing out, knowing we're truly blessed, personally and intimately, because we were born and we're going to die too soon within this larger circle of motion. small kindnesses, large kindnesses. And then there's the strange moments in our contemporary world where as I'm reading this poetry, a little notice goes across my computer screen. Dad's birthday for my calendar notices. this um, being together like this is this a small kindness or large kindness are we saying bless you like don't die and breathing in realizing the fullness and completeness of each moment breathing out the intimacy of each stuttering breath and each uh, glimpse into the little squares, each outstretched hand or little note in a chat box or an email. And I will, by the way, make sure that the names of the poems and the authors are shared with you so you'll have those. Because they're so beautiful, I think. And they speak to each other. And they speak to each other across times and across um, boundaries of uh, ethnicity and, and race in a beautiful way that's important these days, I think. <clears throat> and if these uh, poems, my own reflections for the day, have moved in you and through you and for you and opened you in some way that encourages you um, to find a way to open further to and for this world, to and for each other, which is the foundation of our practice. And to really turn toward and plunge into this, this incomprehensible and, and yet a very ordinary and beautiful life so that we can live it together uh, with maybe a little more compassion and a little more clear seeing and wisdom. Um, some steadiness in the face of goodness knows what comes and also just pure fun. We are going to have a birthday party later today. <clears throat> He did love a glass of champagne. I might have to actually burn a cigar for him. So. But now we're here. So uh, if you'd like to raise your hand and go more deeply for yourself, uh, I invite you to step forward.
Maria and Kim will keep their eyes open for you. If people would just like to raise their hands using the reactions button on the bottom right of the screen. A little smiley face with plus has a icons there that will let you let them know that you'd like to come forward. And if you don't, it's it's wonderful to sit together. Completely wonderful to sit together. I see John we have, there. We have John. Oh, I need. You're you're okay. I can hear you. Okay. Can everybody else hear me? I would imagine if I can, they probably can. <laughs> okay. So almost from the beginning, as soon as you started to talk about the pandemic, I started just a tear started flowing because a friend of mine. Excuse me, a young friend of mine died suddenly from immediate unpredictable cardiac arrest on Friday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, I thought, gosh, I hadn't been in touch with my feelings very much the last few days. So all of a sudden now I am in touch with my feelings. It's just like tears and grief are just flooding through me. Yeah, I bet they come when we meet, not just you and I, but they come more when we touch each other and speak to each other and see each other. Mm -hmm. That's the, um, the sacred place that, that opens that we're spoken about in the poem, you know? Yes. And, uh, at first I wasn't going to even, uh, share with this with the whole group, but I remember a long time ago, 10 or 11 years ago, uh, when something else sad happened and I shared it with the whole group there at the Zendo in Austin, you know, mm -hmm. 30, 40, how many people that day. That really helped to share it with the large group. Yeah. So I decided to share it with the large group today. Yeah, we can then hold you. Uh, and your friend, do you do you mind saying your friend's name? Uh, my friend's name is April. April. So that brings a little more. That's the the particular. It's important. Mm, okay. Just to just say the name. Mm -hmm. April Bach. Yeah. Thank you, John. Sorry for your loss. And thank you for also sharing your tenderness with us. Thank you all for supporting me. Absolutely. Um, there you go. Okay. Can I, um, ah, yeah. there. Hi, hi, Flint. Um, and, um, John, um, sorry for your loss and thank you for sharing, John. Um, so yesterday, speaking of kindness, I had a real challenge. Um, a friend of a patient called and I happened to be available and I picked up and this uh, person was really annoying me in the way that she presented wanting help and I just wanted to get off the phone as soon as I could and I, I was aware of it as I was speaking to her and um, I kind of did and then thought about it a lot you know like okay, um, she was annoying you, but she's somebody that really, you know, it's not easy to make that call. And she really was suffering with something. Probably with some of what you were actually experiencing with her. Yeah, that, yes, I think so, exactly. So I, you know, was thinking and I, well, she called back and I had, <laughs> I, I had an opportunity to do it differently, and I hope that I did. I certainly slowed myself down. I gave her more time. I, you know, I gave her some thoughts of what to do, and she was asking me for, for the referrals. I said, well, I can't do it now, but I can do it later. So, and I, the last thing I said to her was hang in there. So I just, you know, I, I that was luck. That was pure luck for me to have you know, that opportunity. Yeah. Good teachers come back to you. They won't leave you alone. Each moment, life as it is, each person, just like they are, the only teacher. Exactly. So we see ourselves in the mirror, sometimes in less than flattering ways, but those are usually the most useful, aren't they? 
Absolutely. And um, I was really, it, it took a lot for me to, to find the compassion, but I finally did. And uh, yeah. I and that taking a lot and willingness to find it is a foundation for practice, which is our aspiration and our intention. There are lots of ways to practice, lots of venues, but right intention, that aspiration is crucial, is central that we come back to. And you found it and moved with it. Yeah. And this unlikely teacher. So thank you for the, the, that, um, that practice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And a, a small thank kindness. Yeah. Have Robin next. Hello, Robin. Hey there. Um, good to see you. Good to see you. I was thinking about. your loss of your father at such a difficult time. It wasn't a surprise because of his age, but not being able to be connected. And John, thinking of you and your loss and the beautiful name, April, that really struck me that somebody somewhere had a baby and they named her April. It's really precious. Um, but I was um, thinking about one loss and one game during the pandemic. And the loss, um, you know, I'm thinking uh, someone in our sangha, Ellen, I don't know if she's on, announced to some of us that she's moving to Virginia. I assume to be near her son. I haven't had a chance to talk to her about it. And I immediately, and when Peg left, that way that people gather and have little plates of food and are all crowded together and um, the way that we mark someone leaving or any change, you know, that those rituals that usually involve some kind of special food and I miss those. And I think they're a loss for our ability to mark change. I miss that we won't be able to have quiche and cake and um, all the things for Ellen um, who's been such a precious um, person in our sangha and who will still be online. But um, so that's a missing and that reverberates in so many ways, you know, funerals and, um, you know, other occasions that human beings mark, have in the past marked by physically being present with one another. And we've learned there's another way. Um, and yet we also want to return to a time where we can be physically present for those transitions. On the positive, this morning I got my first vaccine. Yay. And it is at, it's where Jim got his. <laughs> it's at the Delco Center, this big, um, actually it's a place that I remember taking my son for his wrestling tournaments. And um, there must be, it seems like a million people working there. And it was, you know, going to any, uh, I don't know, going to any big place to me is anxiety provoking even before the pandemic, but now you throw in that pandemic and just unknowns and, you know, parking and all the stuff. And everyone, whoever was leading that team of people who I don't know, some portion of them must be volunteers, some portion paid, I have no idea. Um, just imagine tons of people, all different races, ages, sizes, with little vests on and masks, and the most positive, cheerful attitudes. It was so precious that we're, these we're people- We're our vaccines here. Mm -hmm. The whole team from the parking lot attendants all the way to the very end when you were waiting were the most positive and upbeat people I've seen in the entire pandemic. It was amazing. Exactly, exactly. And the doctor who gave me the shot introduced herself, said she was a doctor. And um, she said, I'm doing this. And I thought, I counted, there were 10 tables with four 
six stations at each. So at any given moment, 60 people were getting a shot. And then there were, you know, lines, um, very well organized. Um, and she said um, she had blue eyes and she was wearing blue scrubs and a blue mask. So her eyes were just, you know, like the ocean. And she said, um, I wanted to do this just to make things better. And not even knowing what she experienced as a doctor with sick people. I guess I just wanted to evoke what was evoked in that poem, that what we bring, you know, of course it inspired me. I had gone in with an intention to be uber friendly, despite my own inner cloudy anxietiness. And, um, the very thing of complimenting someone on something is such a particular human thing. It's a way of saying, I notice you, I like your shirt. Mm -hmm. And that happens both to me and from me to someone else. We can't do that too much. Yeah, she would acknowledge she's really helping. Yeah. Like someone handing you your coffee or putting down your soup. <laughs> Exactly. Your vaccine. Exactly. So I want to just, um, yeah, yay on that poem. And um, all of you look so awesome today. That was so beautiful to see everyone. I will say that when you came on, my spontaneous impulse, you're talking about being close. And I think it was you coming forward, and that, but also seeing Jim's face, is missing putting the microphone lanyard on someone. Oh. <laughs> every time in the zendo you know what that's like yeah, yeah. You know? it's a full ordination it is and, and jim would always help me and he shake a little bit you know so it made me feel tender <laughs> you know so anyway i was just thinking that came to me just like that i think jim wanted to speak oh okay uh, i just wanted to uh you know 2020 uh, i'm going to celebrate zoom in the 2020 pandemic because most of us were ignorant of Zoom to start with. And it saved so many people. In my particular circumstance, it saved my classes. Uh, Zoom. It also, yeah, and it created a, a, a platform where people that I taught that had moved away now could come back yeah and be in my classes that weren't there before that's right uh and then after classes we created what we kind of called the white hair underground for finding uh uh you mean this kind of white hair? yeah no yeah for vaccine uh to find vaccine uh which uh was both humorous but very serious uh, at the same time. Um, all of which was uniquely new to an uh, experience and how we did things. Uh, and it's been a big learning experience as far as, and I know in 2021, we'll go back to a certain aspect of uh, the, real connection of a physical connection which i look forward to but also i can't i from a personal point of view i can't lose this also connection this way because i don't want to lose those people that are far away that's right that stream has now started to flow and it won't be turned off right all those i mentioned uh, having a cascading series of cancellations of all of my retreats. Then they all came back, except they were bigger <laughs> because suddenly they were everyone. I just didn't have to get on an airplane. <laughs> and I look forward to a time when I can sit with you and touch you again. And we get to do this every week with people all over. So yeah, there's that's why there's that balance. It's not something I would have wanted, but there is something that has come out of it. It's good to see you and hear you. It's good to see you and hear you also. Yeah. 
Thank you. And by the way, Jim teaches Tai Chi for those of you who don't know it. So. We have Laurie next. Hi, Laurie. Hi, everyone. Uh, and I'm one of those people that would otherwise not be with you. I'm in Florida, and it's great to see you, Flint. Yes. So uh, thanks for offering this online. And I just want to um, make one comment about the poem, the line, I don't remember the exact wording, but the line about the temple, finding a temple. Right. Remind, do, you, do you know the exact wording? I'm going to pull it right up for you here. Okay. Um, I'm going to read the few lines before, so it puts the context, is that okay? That, that, that powerful line that says, we have so little of each other now so far from tribe and far, only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together? When we say, here, take my seat, go ahead, you first. These yeah. true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together. That's another way of saying only a Buddha and a Buddha. Yeah, and it really reminded me of this koan uh, where the Buddha and Indra are walking along. And I think the Buddha asked Indra, where should we build the next tem temple? And mm -hmm. Indra picks up a blade of grass, sticks it in the ground. The temple is built. built. And for me, often thinking of temples as actual buildings or places outside or wherever. But with mm -hmm. this poem, I'm starting to feel this shift of, well, the temple is meaningless without the people. It's more about the people meeting and seeing the sacred in that interaction, that small kindness, the temple is the woman picking up my lemons at the grocery store, etc. So I, I appreciated that. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's a way of saying that <clears throat> there are no things that in and of themselves are sacred. Things become sacred because we treat them that way. Mm -hmm. And each other. And ourselves. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's it's great to hear the resonance with the koan too, because you're you're right on the money there. So thank you. Hi. Which is lovely. Who, where are you coming from today? I'm in um, Devon in the UK. Devon. Huh? Close, Sheldon. close to Sheldon, yeah. Where we have our we used to have our residential retreats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you have daffodils yet? Pardon. You have daffodils yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's much easier to come forward being able to see everyone. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Not coming from this kind of, I don't know, this blank space. Exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've really appreciated joining you through the last year on these Tuesdays. Um, I have some kind of question. Um, I, I... You're feeling it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so with our delicate nature at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, sometimes it's just there more than others. Yeah. And this is a question that's, that it, it kind of has been there for some years of, um, I once heard Cynthia Bourgeois, wonderful teacher talk about offering the, the suffering and the pain back into life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just hangs there. It has for years as a question when I'm really touched and my heart just is so stretched. Mm -hmm. um, it's like some, something wants to move through me And I really resonated with the, the temple part in that poem and these little acts and 
I so appreciate those in my life, those little meetings daily. <clears throat> but there's something else. It's maybe like maybe it's like I just want to go down on my knees. It's it's like I just wonder if there's anything you would say to that of like it's like my body wants to move in response to the suffering. And you've already named it, actually. When you said, there were two things, you said something about tenderness and your heart being stretched. I don't know if I remembered exactly accurately. Yeah. And when Lucentia Bojo talks about offering the suffering back to the world, mm -hmm. she's not, I don't think, talking about giving others or, or passing on pain. No. What she's talking about is giving back the tenderness and the stretched heart. Yeah, but it's and like, the, how? Like you're doing right now, how else would there be? <laughs> by offering yourself to another, by saying, like Mary Oliver said, and like in the second poem said, sometimes it's not in words. No. And so sometimes all there is to do is go to our knees. That's why we bow, at least in the Buddhist tradition, it's not about worship. Mm. It's about this feeling. Mm. It's that if we really see and really feel the poignancy and the, the, the potency and the vividness of each moment, we're, it takes us to our knees. Yeah. And we offer our whole body in the prostration to that moment. But we can't stay there. We have to stand up and meet our life. So we stand up. But when we stand up, we meet it again. And then we bow. And that's yeah. why bowing practice, if it's, if you're called to it, is so meaningful because it, it enacts what you're talking about without having to have words. Mm. And done with a dignity and wholeheartedness, it's, mm. it's a beautiful rhythmic enactment as we breathe and offer ourselves to that de depth mm. and then come back into fullness and meet our lives together. Mm. Yeah. It's something about keeping it moving, like not getting attached even to the heartbreak, you know, it's like just, right. yeah. Let the heart break and move. Mm -hmm. It will keep moving if you don't mess with it too much mm. and, and come back. Mm. It's a strange thing that it's hard for words to imagine or, or capture the, the other day someone asked in a group and I can't remember the exact question to tell you the truth in the moment but it was about um, we were talking about long relationships that matter and we spoke about several of them and one of the members of the group asked about my personal relationship with my partner knowing it was more than 40 years and they asked me to say something about the question was really about marriage because we had been together 30 something years before we were able to be married just because they, the laws for same-sex marriage hadn't changed. And they said, what was the difference? And I said, well, in some ways, no difference, of course. Things went on. But I, I can't describe some... This is the way I envision the difference, what comes to me. I said, imagine that Aaron and I are standing next to each other, holding hands, not looking toward each other, standing next to each other, with a few gentle tears falling, looking out into the world. It's more like that. If that makes sense to you. And that's you. what's being called in you. Yeah. It's like, you, and this is what we offer together as a way to stand with each other. Not about being sad. That's not the point. It's everything. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming for coming forward so tenderly. No, yeah. thank you. Darcy, mm -hmm. next. Hi, Darcy. Hi, Darcy. Hi. I don't know what to do here. No, I was just having that little first uh, echo, but it'll go away. Yeah, it does that. 
I was thinking, oh. you come from one of those small towns where the waitress does say honey when she puts down your food. <laughs> like in the poem. Yeah, and, and we're all missing that these yeah. days, aren't we? Yep. Yes, I'm, I'm just, I'm so moved and touched um, by those, but you're talking about the small kindnesses and by um, Robin's describing how, how moving those were to her at her getting the vaccine and raw coming forward, you know, that's a small kindness to all of us. And it's the body's response exactly. that she's talking about. Mm -hmm. So it does, it just, it just does make me want to put my hand around every warm cup of tea and offer it to someone, you know, right. it's a special gift. Uh, so I was feeling, I think until Robin really kind of made it uh, particular, mm -hmm. it was feeling heavy to me today mm -hmm. uh, that um, I guess the feeling of overwhelm was not knowing what to do with all the big problems. The big problems in the world, the big problems in relationships um, that that are that are going like this to me, mm -hmm. and uh, all, all you know what these small kindnesses are always possible. Well, that's actually the response. It, you do the small things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this. Yeah, I just I just wanted to That's, I just I'm wanted just, to yeah, mention yeah. that. Yeah, because it's the small kindnesses one after another that make the big turns over time. And that's our and, and no matter how tired, exhausted, or overwhelmed I am, I do have it in me to offer those mm -hmm. small yeah, kindnesses. And that's, and that's the intention I was talking about. You keep finding the intention and the aspiration of remembering that's enough. It's enough. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, everyone. Yeah. I see that we've come to the end of our time. And I appreciate everyone who's come forward and those who might have also wanted to speak, but um, maybe we'll have another opportunity. Uh, so we'll recite the four practice principles as a reminder of this exact practice that we're, we're speaking about. I'm caught in the self-centered dream only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding the self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you once again. And I'll turn it over to um, Maria, and we'll make sure the poems get out to you. Athamada's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support makes a huge difference. There is a link on the website at apamada.org forward slash contribution. Thank you very much. And before